0: With malice toward none, with charity for all. About this time, March 3rd to be exact, 1865, Lincoln was standing outside the White House. The Capitol that had just been built was visible, symbol of, yes. This nation is going to survive and in his second inaugural address spoke those words. I've been rereading that address, President's Day, and also as we talk about courage this month, and you know courage comes from the Latin cur, which means heart. So courage isn't just about being brave, but about a willingness to have a heart that encompasses love like an ocean. With malice toward none, with charity for all. There were about 3,000 people who showed up that day, and it had been raining in washington d c for weeks, so uh, uh, kind of like the pictures of our unpaved road and parking lot it was there was no paving, and people were standing shin and knee deep in mud to hear Lincoln speak those words and as i 've repeated them in my head i 've thought. You know, that's just an amazing summary of what we try to do here as a religious community with malice toward none, which is a challenge every single day. And I, I, will, I will not take that stand of it's uh, because of political. It's always been hard. What's going on today politically on some level is absolutely nothing unique. So picture Lincoln. They were pretty sure they were going to win the war. And the country was, if we think it's deeply divided, this was a country that was deeply divided. So in his second inaugural address, he could have been gloating. Showed you southern states what's going to win. That's not at all. The direction he took. He immediately addressed the malice with malice toward none. He was perhaps laying the groundwork for what he hoped would be the Reconstruction, that it would be possible for the nations to stitch itself back together with malice towards none, even though you and I were on the opposite side, fighting even, and have lost family members, can we find common ground with malice toward none? And the flip side of that is with charity for all. And I I, I started thinking about, so since I was trying to imagine what March 3rd, 1865 looked like, You know, I have this office that looks out over what you all can see here. Turn your head and look at this glorious view. And what's out here are the hard work of many who've watered and planted and planned and built sidewalks and left behind glorious woods for us to walk in. But there are also ashes scattered from all those names on that memorial tree. So all our people who've gone before are out here, and they're also scattered behind our cabin. And we're up on this incredible height and can see far into South Tulsa. I swear I can see Dallas. but i i got into a thinking experiment and thought well what would have happened if these brave souls this is the top of hope hill before the building they're having some bacchanalia i've heard stories of the fun they had <clears throat> and they're planning And imagining that we can be sitting here today. So, what if they had not been willing to take a stand? If they said, Oh, there's too much to lose. So, they were sitting just like you all are at All Souls and know their neighbors and have worked together and their children have grown up together and know each other and people have been teaching and they were willing to leave behind their beloved seat in the pew I see you all sitting where you always sit we all do that but they were willing to take a risk and imagine that there could be a church in South Tulsa so if if they hadn't been willing to take that stand then I've thought of all the real estate names for this place it wouldn't be Hope Hill it might be Sunny Acres Hill Or blackjack, oh, try to go native and local, hill. And a developer, I bet our gate would be a locked one, gated community here. And if it were developed, the houses across Sheridan, built in the 80s and 90s, that that might be the sub-development here. Or we sold off a piece of land and we now know what kind of houses were built with that property. So they may be some slightly larger lots with some fairly prestigious houses. What would not be here and before I go there I'm sure that they would have joyous lives and they would have impacted the community and gotten to know their neighbors and raised children but there would be so much that is missing if we weren't here and those people who were willing to take a stand and leave their beloved pews and say, I don't know who I'm going to be sitting next to or what we're even going to be sitting in. (coughs) They hadn't planned what the church would look like, so they took a risk. So my question is, uh, I think I'm backing my way into a stewardship sermon because I want us all to think about the risks that people have taken and the stand that people have taken with their time, with their energies, with their funds to make this possible and how impoverished South Tulsa, all of Tulsa would be if we did not carry that on. The historians that have looked at the pictures of Lincoln giving his second inaugural dress, with malice toward none, with charity for all. They've been able... So uh, the photographs were taken, these beautiful large glass um, negatives that you have to paint something wet on, and it's um, a a photographic process that is very complicated to do, and, and you have to work quickly but it creates this uh, sense of depth and more data points than digital photography these days. It's still one of the most beautiful ways to capture an image. And the historians are able to look at people's faces in the crowd behind Lincoln. And who's there is Frederick Douglass, who he later talks to and says, Lincoln asked, how did it go? And he said, "That um, that was quite a sermon because it was lots of biblical references, but the effort was to heal. But also in the crowd are the five assassins. They can see, because in less than two months, Lincoln is to be killed. And those seeds are also part of the second inaugural address. And I bring that up because we are also a collection of people and the seeds for our success are here as well as the potential for our not succeeding if we don't step forward and say, this is the world we want with malice towards none, with charity for all. So, Usher, I'm going to ask you to bring in about 4,000 extra chairs so that we can make room for everyone who has sat in our sanctuary and allowed us to be here, and I'll wait. Okay, just imagine that we are packed in here, all who have leaves on our tree and all who are scattered behind the cabin and scattered in the memorial garden... They're sitting next to you and they're saying thank you for carrying on what we started and carrying it on with gusto and beauty and with messiness. We're messy. It's messy. Then I started thinking about you know, we see each other every Sunday and we think this is Hope Church. But it's not. We actually are only a small part of Hope Church. I started adding up, so we have at least five 12 step programs that meet down in our cabin every single week. So I thought, well, how many people come up the hill and consider this just as much their hill and oasis and place of transformation and healing as we do? Turns out it's in. The thousands, considering every week, and so what I started doing is counting people who are not members of Hope Church. How many people come up here and uh, are guest speakers and bring guests? How many are um, our plate? And this is this is hard to count. So we give our plate away every single Sunday. But how many lives are affected? by that generosity. I guessed 50 a month. That may be high, may be low, but I needed a number to plug in. (laughs) Then we feed about 120 people every single month at the shelter for the homeless. Anyway, when I added that all up, I came up to about 7,000 People, different people, not the same, different people every year that we impact. So if those brave souls hadn't taken a stand, there may be about 7,000 people every single year for the last 49 years who've benefited from our existence I'm going to ask the usher to bring in 7,000 chairs. (laughs) Make way. You're going to have to stand. You know how you do for a picture. You're going to have to stand kind of diagonally so we can all fit in. So when you have your pledge card and you're thinking about your own budget, I want you to think about the fact that your generosity won't just affect us, but it's going to affect 7,000 other people next year or more. We started reaching out more and more. And I thought about people who, well, we're all like this. We all have favorite parts of our budget. I really want gardens and grounds. I really want religious education. And the messiness here is letting everyone as a group the board and the finance committee and ultimately the congregation as as they vote say we can't prioritize everything and this year these are our priorities and you may disagree which is what we're here to do is to learn how to disagree and make our case and we're also here to disagree and be on church time which means this year it may be this way and next year maybe you'll get your way and i want to talk to those who look at our budget and go well we are we are a church unto ourselves so why do we support any other organizations outside of us why are we supporting tulsa metropolitan ministries why are we donating to action why are we giving to our our national unitarian universalist association we we gosh darn it We are a church unto ourselves. So I did that same kind of thought experiment. I thought, okay, if we don't donate to the Unitarian Universalist Association, poof, I go away. And some of you are happy. That means the sermon's over. Okay, (laughs) Our hymnal goes away. All our service music goes away. Our chalice goes away. many words in our service. Our love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. We did not invent those words, but we have made them our own. Connie Cronley wrote in Tulsa Magazine about uh, Arbor Day and forests, and she mentioned a German uh, author, scientist, who's written a book about the hidden life of trees, since we're enjoying our view of trees, who talked about, we think of trees as individual individuals. That's how I think of them in my own yard. But in reality, they are a community nurturing each other, absorbing nutrients from other trees, um, the sharing sunlight or stealing sunlight so that those that can't thrive with too much sun just made this beautiful case for how interconnected trees are and that when one tree is alone, it never lasts as long or does as well. And I'd say that's the same case for our church. If we act as if we are not connected to All Souls and Church of the Restoration and the third place in Turley and Little Rock and Boston then we will not last long. So as you are filling out your pledge, consider that you are also providing fertilizer for the roots of this tree with malice toward none, with charity for all, To do, let me tell you how that ends. To do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. May it be so.